Amen. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Doing good? Full house this morning? Um, it's, always, uh, it's always unfortunate the people who arrive just late enough where I have to say to them the only seats are in the front row. It's the only venue in the world where the latest people get the best seats. Um, you're not going to get that at the Blake Shelton concert. Like, show up late, hey, let's put you in the front row. But here at church, that's how, that's how, we, uh, that's how we know nobody's going to show up that late two weeks in a row because, oh, we had to sit in the front row. Um, if I have not met you, I know we get lots of visitors here. My name's Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I are the pastors. Christy's not here today. Um, but we would love to meet you and get to know you. That Lunch for New People is just a great opportunity for you to get to know about the church, get to know some of the other staff members and ask any questions. And Sunday school is going to be a great thing. We call it that. That's an old school term um, where, you know, growing up in church, I had, it was Sunday school and then it was church. I mean, church was like an all morning affair. And anyone grow up going to Sunday school and you had your class? Yes. All right. So we're bringing it back. Um, this is a great opportunity for you to come and just learn about maybe some of the things that you're not sure about. Maybe you, we in the church world have a habit, just like anybody else, after you've been involved in church for a while, we start to have language that we assume everybody understands, and we refer about refer, refer to things that we think everybody knows, and there are times where some people are sitting there thinking, well, it seems like everybody else knows what they're talking about when they talk about this, or this story in the Bible, or this book of the Bible, or how to pray, or how to talk to God, and you might be thinking, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure not going to ask about it, right? Sunday school is a great opportunity for you to learn about some of these things. And really, th this church as a whole, I understand that it's difficult. Let me just kind of talk about this, and this has to do with our message today. So it's, it's taking up official sermon time. So if you think this is adding on to the service time, it's good. We're, this is official ser sermon time. Um, I know that it's an interesting thing to be in an environment where you kind of feel like, oh, I'm, I don't ever feel like you're in an environment where I'm not sure I really fit in here. It seems like everybody knows something and I don't know. Um, I was thinking about that this week. Um, several years ago, our oldest daughter, Lucy, was she was in the 10th grade. She was having a, a difficult time. And so there was uh, any time she wanted to do something fun with me as the dad, I was like, great, let's do it. Just time with my teenage daughter. Dads, if you get time with your teenage daughter and they're willing to do something with you, you're like, yes, I don't care what it is. It just so happened that what she wanted to do was at Lifetime Fitness, there was Zumba classes. <laughs> and I thought, well, that'll be fun. And I, I have a pretty high tolerance for shame and embarrassment, so I'm okay with that. But also I realized, okay, growing up in church, me being a, you know, pastor's kid, growing, a, a white Canadian pastor's kid doesn't necessarily mean I know how to move things, right, At, on the dance floor. And I thought it would be fun to learn how to do that. Every time I go on the dance floor, I'm like, I, I look like I'm slalom skiing right now. That's all I'm doing. So I thought, well, this will be fun. So we went to the Zumba class at Lifetime Fitness, and we showed up, and uh, right away I could tell, okay, I don't fit in here. Um, the room was packed and I was maybe one of two or three maybe guys in the room. And so I thought, okay. Um, and then, so I'm standing there with Lucy. We're near the back because unlike church, that's the open spots when you come late. And so we were standing there getting ready for the, the class to start. And all of a sudden the, the instructor gets up there and the music starts going and everybody starts moving like, oh, they've, they know the steps. And I'm just trying to not bump into somebody and doing this. And I'm looking, I can't see the instructor. So at that point, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I was looking at all the people around me trying to figure out what they're doing. But if you're one of three guys in a packed room at a Zumba class, you don't want to be looking at the other people <laughs> 
too much. And so I'm like, well, I can't do that. And I don't, I don't know where to put my eyes. And it was, I was like, I feel like I'm just stomping on bugs underneath my feet. And Lucy was laughing, we were having a good time. But at one point, one of the ladies standing next to me, just kind of while we were moving, just leaned in and said, you're doing fine. There's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. Just move along and have fun and it's gonna be great. And I can't tell you in that moment what it meant for me to feel like, oh, it's okay that I don't really know what I'm doing here. And somebody acknowledged, we're glad you're here even though you don't really know all the moves. I tell that story to say this. Some of you feel that way going to church. You're like, I don't know, I don't know when to raise my hands and they greet, I don't know, I don't wanna shake hands with people and they all do this thing and it seems like the same routine and everyone knows the moves. I'm just letting you know, we're glad that you're here, even if you don't know all the moves, even if you don't know all the things to say. And Sunday school is a great environment for you to just learn some of these things. Hopefully in even our Sunday morning service, there's enough times where we're saying, yeah, we don't assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. We wanna learn some of these basic things and it's an okay environment for you to be here. Some of the groups we have during the week, these men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, that's designed for you to be in a smaller group and to be okay with asking these questions. I gotta let you know, our favorite thing is not the people who come into our church or into a Bible study or a mom's group or whatever and have all the answers. Our favorite thing is when somebody comes up and says, I don't, I don't own a Bible. I've never read the Bible. Can you help me figure out which one I should buy? Or I don't know where any of these books are. Can you help me? We got a church full of people that love helping you learn how to read the Bible. Or well, I don't know what to do with prayer. What does that mean? These are great things. This is not a, that is not a sign that you don't fit. That's a sign that you're in the right place. We want you to grow in your faith. So I encourage you to do that, to get involved in different things and to be okay with asking some questions and to grow. I recognize that we say things that we think everybody understands that might be a new thing to you. And that is what segues into our new sermon series that we're starting. And we're calling this series A Relationship with God. A Relationship with God. Maybe you have heard people talk about their faith that way. Maybe you've heard some Christians talk about Christianity. Well, it's not, people will say to them, well, I don't like religion. And they'll say, well, Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. And they'll say something like that. We've had people in the church that say, I hear people talk about a relationship with God. I don't know what that means. How do you have a relationship with God? For you, that might be a completely foreign concept. Church is just something you do because you were told it was the right religious thing to do. Um, it's, a, it's an important thing to check off the list so that you feel like you are living well or doing enough Christian churchy things to have, uh, to have God be okay with you. But really, we want to talk about this idea over the next few weeks, what it is to have a relationship with God, to reframe our thinking from religion to relationship. The difference between religion and relationship would be religion, like every other world religion in the world, religion says you gotta do this. You have to do enough things. You have to be kind enough to other people. You have to go to church enough times, give in the offering enough times, uh, do all of these things, and if you can do enough religious things, then you've earned enough you know, God points so that, yay, you're a Christian, or yay, you'll get into heaven, or yay, things will go well for you. That's religion, because then when you fall short of that, you're like, oh man, God must be angry with me now, and oh, I gotta do more, and everything feels like this condemning voice of, you're not doing enough. God is angry with you. 
But you got to think of it like this. Relationship is way different than religion, right? Anybody experience that? A relationship is way, any relationship is way different when it's not just a, oh, I have to do this and I have to say this and I have to do this, but rather we are in a relationship. The same idea with God. We are in a relationship with God that God wants to know you, that God wants to know me. This is, this should stop us in our tracks really when we start thinking about that. When we're singing the songs we were singing this morning, um, your goodness is running after me. This idea of a personal God that pursues a relationship with you, that has made a way for a relationship with you. And that's really what the Bible is all about, is this God who's not distant, but created you, created me, created the heavens and the earth, and wants a relationship with you. And because of our sin and God's holiness, it's not like God is, you know, angry, but God is holy. Sin can't be around holiness. So there's always been that that division between us and wanting to have a relationship with the holy God. And in the Old Testament, you read it, God's plan was, because he loved his people, was, okay, well, if you provide these sacrifices, if you make these offerings, then that is going to kind of temporarily pay for your sin, and then a relationship with God is possible. But even then, it was distant. And if you read the Old Testament, God's relationship with his people had to be distant because of his holiness. The people couldn't go into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, in the temple where God's presence was. When God called Moses up onto the mountain, there was kind of the cloud of glory of God, the presence of God. The other people couldn't go near it. The Ark of the Covenant, you couldn't touch it. It was a reminder that holy God and sinful people, there's always going to be a bit of a distance there. But because of Jesus Christ, but because God sent Jesus to the earth, to be born as a baby, to grow up as a human, fully God, fully man, but give his life as the once and for all penalty for our sin, now that relationship is available. Now we can boldly come into the presence of God and miraculously realize that God wants a relationship with you, that God loves you, that God cares about you. We are going to start this idea talking about two words that are kind of churchy, maybe big, smart-sounding, churchy Sunday school words. And those words are transcendence and imminence. Everyone say transcendence and imminence. It sounds like the original members of an early 2000 hip-hop duo, transcendence and imminence. (laughs) These are two ways to look at God. These are two characteristics of God that really help us frame our view of God and that this relationship with God, what it can look like. Transcendence really refers to this, that God is separate. He transcends humanity. He is separate from creation. He's the creator. He is separate from our kind of creation, time, and space. He is eternal. He is above. He is the creator outside of time and space. He He transcends humanity. Okay, so that's the idea. That's that's saying that God and you are not on the same page, right? God is higher. God is bigger. God is God. We are people. But imminence refers to this. God reveals himself. God can be known. God is among us. (laughs) And if you don't understand what that picture means, ask one of the young people here. Um, They'll explain why that is kind of funny, that I thought it was funny. God is among us. God reveals himself. He is personal. 
God is not distant in that he doesn't care about you. He has made a way to reach out to you. He is personal. He can be known. There are a lot of people whose view of religion is, I think there's a God far out there, but there's no way to know him. God is both transcendent and imminent. God is big and above and separate from creation and yet personal and reaches out and wants to know you. So if you get, you need both of those things to have an appropriate view of God. For example, if all you have is the closeness of God, but you forget that he is big and God and holy and powerful, then you kind of switch into a view of God that is not right and is not good for you. And that view is this, that God's my buddy. God's my pal, me and God. He's my co-pilot. And we go through life together, and he gets me out of a jam, and sometimes he's got good ideas, and sometimes I've good, got, got good ideas for my life. And good thought there, God, but I'm going to take it on this one, right? God's just there to get me out of a jam and make me feel happy like a, like a buddy. That's all imminence, right? But you've forgotten about God's transcendence, that he is big and holy. He is not on the same page with you and I. But the flip side, if all we think is distant, angry, or you know, powerful God that wants nothing to do with us, well, then you walk through life thinking, well, God doesn't notice me. God doesn't love me, or he's angry with me. I haven't earned enough points to have him be happy with me. God is not aware of what's going on in my life. And that's all the transcendence, but without recognizing God is imminent and close to you. Do you see how you need both of those things? So as we start with this idea of a relationship with God, we have to recognize both of those things. God is both above and close. He is higher and right here with us. He's not just all powerful, but all loving and ever present. And so when we come into an environment like this, and this, isn't, this room isn't magical where the presence of God is, but when we come into an environment like this and we can sing songs of worship, when we can look into the word of God and we can sense a, a personal God speaking things to my heart or to your heart, that is amazing. That should stop us in our tracks. This God who not only made everything, but loves you and is wanting that relationship with you. Psalm 113 is where we're going to start the first passage of scripture today. Psalm 113 really describes this so well. And I'm going to read about five verses in there. You can... Hopefully you can see how this psalmist in the same chapter outlines both the transcendence of God and the imminence of God. And you'll see that illustrated in Psalm 113, verse 4. And those verses say this. They'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Transcendent, right? Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? The God that is so transcendent that he looks way down just to see the heavens and the earth. This is a big God. The very next verse, he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Do you see how the psalmist perfectly captures both the bigness of God and the loving care of a personal God. He is, he, he's so big and powerful. He look, he has to look way down just to see our heavens and earth. And yet he sees the widow. He sees the poor. He ministers to those who are in need. That combination 
And the fact that that God wants to know you and have that relationship with you, that he wants to know you, this is amazing. What could that look like in your life? Maybe you've heard the phrase, have a relationship with God, and you've thought, oh, that sounds like churchy, but think about what that could mean. Imagine every day of your life, not just church days on Sundays, um, every day of your life, going through your day, work, school, family, whatever it is, and you feel the presence of God with you. Like he's walking beside you. You feel that closeness. Imagine feeling that or hearing his voice. We say that often, and that's one of the things we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about is how do you hear the voice of God? People say that. Church people say that all the time. Well, God told me this, and I felt like God said this. And some of you are thinking, I don't know what that even, I can't relate to that at all. Imagine sensing that God was close to you, communicating with you. Times in your life where you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in you saying, Hey, you can do better at this. Hey, let's get rid of this bad habit or this area of sin in your life. And instead of a condemning voice, it's a loving father that is just encouraging you and guiding you and not wanting to stay where you are, but to grow in that relationship. Not a condemning religion, but a relationship with a close friend. This is what we're talking about with a relationship with God. And maybe you have experienced this that You've tried the church thing, but that relationship has never been there. It's always felt kind of like religion. And you, you know it feels like religion when it's a, it's a voice that's saying, hey, you got to do more, or you got to just do this, or pastor says you got to read your Bible, and so you read your Bible, and like, I don't know what that said. And it feels just like checking things off the list, right? We haven't been to church in a few weeks. i got to get to church. And it feels like you have to do a lot in order to be a Christian or to be approved by God. Do more. Do better. That's wrong. Don't do that. Have you ever experienced that? You don't need to raise your hands. I've had seasons like that where it feels like my faith is just this routine of religion. And after a while, you're just like, oh, this just is weighing me down. And not only do we do that to ourselves, let me talk about this for a minute. We Christians like to do that to others, don't we? Where the voices that we give to other people almost sounds like religion, right? Don't do that. Why are you doing that? Stop doing that. You're messing things up. And it just becomes this condemning voice of like, oh, I'm never going to get it right. What if we reframed the conversation? Let me just talk about this for a minute. When I talk about the Christian's message to the world, our, as people of faith, what are we communicating to the world? What if we reframed the conversation away from, you got to stop sinning all the time to, there's a relationship with God that is available to you, right? Somebody say amen to that, right? What if we reframed the conversation? I'm going to say something here you might not agree with, and you might think you've never heard somebody say that in church. Oh, wow. Some of you woke up for that one. Our goal in life as Christians is not to get the world to stop sinning. That's not our goal. Nowhere was it written when Jesus commanded us to go into all the world. Go into all the world and tell everybody everything they're doing wrong. That's not our goal. Not only is it not our goal, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen, right? You know why I know it's never going to happen? Because not only can the people in this room not get everyone else to stop sinning, the people in this room can't even get themselves to stop sinning, right? We can't even get that for ourselves. So our goal, if our goal is to just get everyone around us to stop sinning, it's not going to work. And it's not what we're supposed to do. And when we have that focus, what gets lost is this truth and reality that a loving God wants to have a relationship with people. So if our message was less, stop sinning, you're messing everything up. And our message was more, you can know God, right? Imagine if that was our message. Hey, world, you can know 
God. God wants to know you and have a relationship with you. You can know him. That message shift alone would train, change drastically how the world views Christianity, how the world views faith. If it was less of, I mean, if all our, of all our voices are saying, stop doing this, don't do that, don't hang out with those people, you're doing that wrong, don't watch that Super Bowl halftime show, don't go over here with those people, and it's just like everything is like, don't, don't, don't. Eventually, you know who we sound like? We sound like that annoying kid on the Polar Express, right? <laughs> He's got the wrong ticket. I love that the voice was like, <laughs> he spilled the hot chocolate. You're not supposed to be over. It's, I think that's how we sound. What if our world heard more of you can know God? You can know God. You can have a relationship with God. And here's the deal. And maybe you have felt this in church circles. Maybe you're watching online. And the reason you don't want to show up here in person is because you have heard this before. This idea, well, you better clean yourself up before you come to church. You better clean yourself up before you come to God. You better make sure you get all these areas in your life taken care of, and then maybe God will want to have a relationship with you. That is wrong. That's not what we see in Scripture. And it's kind of irrational, right? It doesn't make sense. Let me illustrate that with this. In the ninth grade, I was playing hockey, ice hockey. My dreams of an NHL professional career were still alive and well. Not really. I got hit, and I broke my collarbone one day, and I missed the rest of the season. Anyways... Oh, poor Jeff. Um, <laughs> I got to the hospital that night, broken collarbone. Collarbone, you can't even breathe. It just hurts to, and I walk into the hospital. What if they looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? I said, I broke my collarbone. And they said, well, you better take care of that collarbone before we can see you, right? You better fix that before you can come in here. Take care of that broken collarbone, then come back and see us. It's irrational, right? Because I would think, that's why I'm here. My broken bone is why I came to the hospital. I was told that this is where I could find help. I was told this is where I could find someone to help mend the brokenness. That is what our message is. If our message is, well, once you get yourself cleaned up, then you can start coming to church. It's irrational. Because people would say, well, I, I was told this is actually where I could find help. Right? I was told this is where I would find people who could help me, where I could find something to mend my brokenness, right? Do you see how that makes sense? You don't need to be sin-free and have everything cleaned up to start a relationship with God. This is why you're here, is to learn about a relationship with God. The, the tone of what we do here is not going to be, hey, fix all these things, you're doing everything wrong. It's, let me point you to Jesus. I have people ask me all the time, hey, I have friends who are this. Would they be welcome at your church? I was like, yeah. Well, are they going to be outcast or ridiculed? And that's like all sorts of things. You can fill in the blank of what they say. Well, they have this or they you know, look like this or their past is this. Would they be welcome at your church? Yeah, of course. We just want to point people to Jesus. We want to point people to Jesus and say, this God wants to have a relationship with you. And this is where that change and healing and mending of brokenness will begin. Now, is there evil in the world that we Christians should stand up and, and push back against? Of course there is. Of course there is. But here's the deal. I believe that all the darkness in the world, and you can put whatever you want in there, racism, abortion, pornography, whatever darkness you think is in the world, all of that darkness, I believe the best thing for it is when people who are lost in darkness turn towards the light. When individuals who are lost in darkness turn towards a relationship with God. 
That's going to make the difference in our world. If enough people do that, we're going to see all of these ills of our culture start to be affected because people have turned to God and God's spirit is in them and their life begins to change. This is when we will see the darkness dissipate when more people turn to the light. So perhaps we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes and then I'm just going to give you a little heads up how we're going to do this. We're going to read a couple more scriptures. We're going to sing a song at the end and I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute. Maybe you've done religion and it's just not working for you and you're here today like I just came to church but I'm tired of just feeling like the don't do this and I have to do this. There's nothing really inspiring about that, is there? But we're going we're gonna to give you an opportunity to maybe start a relationship with God today. Perhaps you've been trying to do religion and it's just not working. You don't feel the things or experience the things that you look around and, well, other people seem joyful. I don't feel that. Other people are raising their hands. It just For you, it just feels empty and forced because it's this religion that you're trying to achieve and that's powerless in your life. Instead, what if we looked at all of this like a relationship? Instead of, oh God, I have to do this and I have to do this just to make you like me. It's, no, the God of the universe is running after you saying, just get to know me. Allow this relationship in your life to start. And from there, what we're going to see is you'll start to be able to, to feel like when you read the Bible, it's like God is speaking to you. And there will be times where you're in prayer and it's something so specific about, I need wisdom and guidance on this. I have to make a decision about this. And you're going to say, God, can you help me with this very specific thing? And you're going to sense the voice of God saying, this is the way to go or give you peace about a certain option. Or if you're in the middle of a difficult thing, here's, the, here, here's what I need to tell you today. If you do this relationship with God, it's not easy. Okay, so I don't want to communicate like, don't do religion, that's hard, but turn to God in a relationship with God and then everything is easy, right? Everything's like, oh, nothing bad's going to happen now. Relationship with God and, well, I don't need to really do anything in my heart. You know, I can just kind of hang on to all these sin issues because me and God are buddies and we're in a relationship and he loves me and wants me to be happy. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not a free ride. It's not smooth sailing all the time. There's going to be times where you walk through something that is so difficult and there's times where we all question it, like, okay, God, I sense your presence with me, yet we're walking through this very difficult thing that I know you could heal or that you could restore or that you could change, and yet you have to walk through it knowing that God is with you. That's what God uses at times to strengthen that relationship. It's not smooth sailing all the time. It's not just happiness all the time. A lot of people give up on this relationship with God because they have this idea. They're like, I gave my life to Jesus, and then my world fell apart. So it doesn't work. You know, like, it, like an essential oil. It's not working, right? It's, I'm, I'm supposed to have better feelings about this, right? But instead we say, well, God is with you no matter what. And there are times when God performs miracles. And there are times that you walk through a, a difficult season and you recognize, boy, God was with me that whole time. And my relationship with him was strengthened in a way that never would have happened if it was just smooth sailing all the time. So this is what I'm talking about today, and we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. What does it look like, this relationship with God? I want to read Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4, and let me just set it up for a little bit. Romans chapter 8 might be one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. There is so much good stuff in there, but it can be a, it's a, it's very theological. The book of Romans is like pretty theological, so you're reading through stuff and you're like, wow, this is making my brain hurt a little bit. What the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, is saying here is he's referring to the law 
uh, the Old Testament law or the law of sin and death, he's referring to, and I want you to think about this as religion. The old way of doing things was just trying to do all the things to help you measure up and to measure up to God's standard of holiness. And then he refers to the law of the spirit. What he's referring to there is this relationship with God, receiving salvation in Jesus Christ and allowing the presence of God, the Holy Spirit to be in you. And that is the source of your faith. That's what spurs you towards righteousness and spurs you towards living a life worthy of the Lord. So there's those two things. So I wanted to highlight that before I read these verses. Romans chapter eight, verse one through four says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop there. That might be the word you need to hear where somebody has told you, you are condemned because you've messed everything up or God is angry with you. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Once you receive Jesus in your life and start that relationship, there's no condemnation. Nobody can come to you and say, well, you've messed this up. You're doing this wrong. God's not happy with you. The word of God is there. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Verse two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit, remember that's talking about this relationship with God, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death, the old way of religion. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be an offering. God sending Jesus to grow up as a man, give his life, die on the cross, and rise again. That was a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law, all the requirements of religion might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's relationship. So when you start this relationship with God, when you invite Jesus in and say, I don't want it to be religion. I want this relationship. I want to grow in a relationship with you. It says every requirement that a holy God has, has been met. I love that. No matter what you've done, when you invite Jesus into your life, God, the father, holy God, the father says, yeah, you're welcome in my presence because you're righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ. This re righteous requirement has been met. And so a relationship is possible. The law of religion is powerless in your life. But a relationship with God, the spirit of God dwelling in us, that is life. That is life. That is life change. That is the source of identity and acceptance and belonging and value. Do you think we have a generation of people that could use a good solid foundation of identity and acceptance and value? Do you think we have a young generation of students that are so lost just in those things alone? Where do I belong? Where do I fit? What value do I have? And the world is not short on ideas that are going to tell our young people, hey, here's where you fit. Here's what your identity is. Pursue this, pursue that. Make your identity this, make your identity this. And all along, we should be shouting, you can have a relationship with God who loves you. And that's the source of everything you need. And it's not obligation. And it's not a list of rules. It's, it's like going to coffee with an old friend. And you just communicate. And you sense that closeness. And after a while, you're going to start to read the Bible and feel like, wow, I feel like God is speaking to me. And God gave me insight into this very specific thing, which is way better than insight from a friend, right? Way better than a Google search insight. It is truth from the voice of God saying, this is what is available to you. 
And then you're going to start to feel, and this is why your relationship with God is not easy, because he's not going to be content with you just staying where you're at. He's going to say, well, how about this area of your life? How about this issue? How about this sin habit that you just keep tripping over? That's holding you back. Why don't we work on that? And you're going to read the Bible sometimes, and it's going to be like the Bible refers to itself as a sword, where it's like this piercing, like, oh, I was just reading the Bible, and yet there's another thing, like the Holy Spirit is challenging me on, like, oh, let's correct this. Let's repent of this. Let's confess this. Let's give this area of your life over to God. And, but it's not a condemning way. It's, it's an encouragement of a loving father saying, hey, we can do this. Let's change this. Let's make this difference in your life. And you're going to start to see fruit in your life. And people are going to be around you being like, man, you seem different. You seem joyful. You don't seem like the same person. And all you're going to be able to say is, it's because of this relationship with God. I stopped doing religion and I started doing a relationship. So that's where I want us to start. So as we close here, we're going to pray in a moment. And I want to read some verses from Psalm 139 in just a moment. But after that, what, we're going to, what I'm going to do is in a moment of prayer, I'm just going to ask whoever wants to just kind of turn away from this religion idea and do this relationship thing. Or maybe you've never done this and you've never said, I would love to have this relationship with God. That sounds great. That's available for you. And I'm going to ask you in a moment... When we're all praying and we all have our eyes closed, because I know this is a moment that some people get nervous about and you can sense it and some of you are getting sweaty palms just as I've even started saying about this. But. And I'm going to ask you just to raise a hand. Now, there's nothing magical about the hand. And maybe that's one of the religious churchy things that you've said. Why do they always do that hand thing and repeat after me thing? There's nothing magical about that. You don't need the hand up to get into heaven. But sometimes it's significant for us in a moment just between you and God to just say, okay, I'm going to make a physical gesture. I'm going to kind of take that step and say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I want to do this. And what we're going to be saying in a moment is, Jesus, I, I need this relationship. I need this because I'm a sinner and I'm lost. And no matter how much I try to do the self-help or the religious thing or the check the things off the box thing, it's just not working. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody ever tried to make significant change in your life and you're just like, man, I just feel like I can't get anywhere. I'm sure we could all if we wanted to raise our hands with that. And you've tried that and you've just, you're not getting anywhere. Instead, you're going to say, Jesus, I need this. I want this relationship. And my sin is what broke it. And your death and resurrection is what made it right again. So that's what we're going to do in a moment. But I wanted us to read Psalm 139, another passage of scripture book of Psalms and I want us to read it and just think about these words being spoken over your life this talks about the closeness of a loving God this talks about how even before you were created even before you were conceived God knew your life God knew the days of your life God wanted that relationship with you even before you were born Psalm 139 I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 this is talking about you. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down You, and are acquainted with all of my ways. He knows you. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. And some of you are like, uh-oh. I didn't know he was listening. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Amen. Such, 
This is the God of the universe caring about you. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That's you, fearfully and wonderfully made. Student, young person, if you're in here, fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. And yet, uh, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. If I awake, I am still with you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we read those words and we're humbled and we're amazed that you spoke these words over us. These are your view of individuals, your view of my life. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Even before I was conceived, you knew every day of my life. There is value in my life, not because of anything the world puts on me, but because I am made by you, fearfully and wonderfully made. There is value in all life because you are our significance and you are our purpose and our identity. So Lord, we receive that and we are humbled and honored. And Lord, I just pray that you would soften hearts today, that you would find the people who are feeling they are purposeless or they have no value and speak life into them. I pray for the people who are sitting here thinking you are distant and angry that you would reveal your love to them. And Lord, that it would be just simply not out of a condemning thing like, oh, I need to do this to make God happy with me, but out of a relationship with a loving father who wants to come into my life, change me from the inside out, convict and restore and heal and bring wholeness to every broken part of my life. So we want to do that today. So if that's you today, and you are saying either you've never had this relationship with the Lord, and we're going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed here, or maybe you've tried religion and you're like, oh man, it is just not working. I keep like, I'm feeling like I'm spinning my wheels. And you would like to do this relationship with God and you would invite God in and you would say, Jesus, I need this. I want this. I receive this. I confess that you are Lord of my life and that I'm a sinner, but I get my forgiveness through you. If you would like to start this relationship today or change to a relationship with God, could you just take a moment and lift up your hand so that I could pray with you today? If that's you, could you raise your hand? I see those hands. Yep. Thanks for raising those hands. Is there anybody else? Yep. We're turning away from religion. I just want to know you, God. I want you to know me. I want you to do a work in my life. Got several hands up. Is there anyone else before we pray? Yep, I see that hand. Thank you. All right, let's say this prayer together. I'm going to have the whole church just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin. I confess my brokenness. I make you the Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness. 
I receive your salvation. It's not what I can do, but it's what you have done. Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for all the people that raised their hand. And I just pray for all of us that you would reaffirm in our hearts this is a relationship that you want to have with us, that we could get away from this list of obligations and just feel like we're with an old friend who is ministering to us and guiding us and speaking to us. That's what we want, Lord. So draw us close to you this week in every encounter. Amen. Let's stand together. We're just going to sing that chorus one more time. All my life you have been faithful.